and our, we, we don't really call them musicians, they're servants of the Lord, but God has given to this church amazing talent, and I want to say thank you to all of our musicians and to my sweet wife, who has put together last Sunday's program, this Sunday's program, tonight's communion and baptism service, and the candlelight service, and I'd like to give a round of applause to all of those who have participated, let's give them a hand this morning. You'll probably notice that we don't always clap around here because these are servants of the Lord and they are singing for God's glory, not for man's applause. But it is great to show our appreciation and we are so blessed to have so many talented folks in our church. Isn't that a blessing? Woo! Boy, my heart 
is overflowing. Well, I'm going to continue on in our theme, our uh, cantatas or our musicals, I should say, not really cantatas, but it is He Came for Me, and that has been the theme for last week and this week. And I would hope that as you come to understand or have come to understand that that understanding continues to grow in your soul that He came for you. And last week as the theme, He came for me, we talked about trusting in Him. This morning the idea more is about worshiping Him. What is worship and what does that look like? And so this morning I'm going to take the same four points that I used last week. Is that all right? So it's not really four new points. However, uh, there are new songs that we sang this morning. And so I want to embellish those songs with the scriptures this morning. Some you've already heard. But this morning as we look at these four points, the first one being, who is he? And we want to get this right. Amen to that? There's a lot of people who have this idea of who God is. It's the God of their imagination. But we need to be worshiping the God of the Scriptures. God gave us 66 books and preserved them for thousands of years so that we could discover who He is, and you don't want to get it wrong. And you don't want to get it wrong about Jesus Christ. Sadly to say, people are getting it wrong about who God is and about Jesus Christ. Now, what makes a cult today is their understanding of Jesus Christ. Two aspects there. Who He is and why did He come? Who He is and why did He come? He is God, and we make no mistake, no apology about that. He is God in the flesh. He is God of eternity past. He is God. He is Creator. He is Emmanuel. We sang those songs this morning. Now, I have been... Uh, last week uh, into Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 1 and 2 and 3. This morning, if you would, turn to John chapter 1. It is interesting, in our Sunday school this morning, Brother Turner, at our 8.30 Sunday school, he brought up the, the something that I had missed in the Scriptures And if you were to study the the lineage in Matthew's account and in Luke's account, you will discover that there's a difference. And the difference starts there in the sons of David. Now we know the Bible says that he was going to come from the tribe of Judah and from uh, that lineage of Judah and the lineage of David, and his kingdom would have no end. And so what we see in uh, Matthew's account is the lineage of Joseph, who, by the way, is not his father, correct? Jesus was virgin born. What Brother Turner brought out this morning, which is something that I had not seen, but that in Jeremiah chapter 22, it talks about that David's line had become polluted. The line of David and Solomon and so on to uh, Jeconiah. And in there, there was actually a blood curse 
put on David's lineage through Solomon in the king Jeconiah, such that it says in Jeremiah that no king would sit on his throne. Now all of a sudden you understand why there's two lineage and you understand about the virgin birth. Because Matthew's account is the line of Joseph through Solomon through that blood curse line that no king would sit on the throne. But as the scriptures talk about David having a king that would always sit on the throne, there's another lineage. And you read Luke's account, and it is through Nathan, the son of David, that Mary's line comes, and she is the earthly mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, and she was virgin born. Isn't that amazing? Say yes. Maybe you can't wrap your head around that much this morning, but that is an an unbelievable truth of the accuracy of the Scriptures and why he would become a virgin. And yet through the line of David, his lineage would have no end. Wow. You ponder that. That's good stuff, isn't it? Even to college students. Isn't that right, Matt? Boy, it's so good to have you home. Isn't it great to have our... By the way... uh, Patrick is home from college. He just didn't go that far away, all right? So, Patrick, it's good to have you in church this morning as well, wherever he might be. Is he back there in the back? He's out there in the back. So I didn't want to make you feel like chopped liver this morning, Patrick, either. And you're home this morning as well, and we get to enjoy his tuba playing up here. And I'm so glad that he's, he's close at home, and we've got some wonderful college kids. But now in John's account, and this is, the, this is a different account. Uh, uh, Luke's account, he was the son of man, and it brings that earthly lineage through the line of Mary and the son of Nathan. But here in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. Now when it talks about the beginning there, the word Genesis means beginnings. So it's talking about creation. In the beginning was and it's interesting that word was is in the the imperfect tense of the greek language you say what does that mean <laughs> well the perfect tense this i mean the scriptures is so amazing the perfect tense is a point of action a beginning with no ending the imperfect tense is a point of time that has no past. Isn't that amazing? You see, Jesus Christ is eternal because He's God. He doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have a creation. He is not created. He is with God for all of eternity because He is God. He's a part of the Trinity. And just because we can't always figure out everything about God, we should not diminish who God is because the Bible tells us who He is. Amen? And I say that because there's a translation and there's a religion out there that changes this passage of scriptures. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. Same imperfect tense there. And the Word what? Was God. He is talking that before creation, God Jesus Christ, in eternity past, He's not a God. By the way, if you came up with that stupidity 
it violates everything in scriptures. Counting and starting with the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. There is one God in three persons, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Father, and the Son. Amen to that. Now, I was, I was doing a little search on this, Mike, in, in the scriptures because they, they talk about the absence of the article there. And so I decided to get into my Greek Bible and to find out where that article is used with God. And uh, the absence of the article does not diminish that the, the God there because A is not there, the is not there. But you go back to Matthew. You might want to write this down. Matthew chapter 4 in verse 7. This is when the Lord Jesus Christ is being confronted and tempted by Satan himself. And when he's being tempted there by Satan himself, he responds and he says, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to test. Who's being tested? Jesus Christ. It there clearly delineates that Jesus Christ is the Lord his God. And did Satan know who Jesus Christ was? Oh, sure, he would spend some time in heaven with him before he fell from his angels. And Jesus stands up. And you think of the audacity of Satan coming and trying to tempt the creator of the universe. And he says to him, you're not to tempt the Lord, your God. In that article, your God is there. Oh, you just go through the scriptures and you find this out. In Matthew 4.10, he also said unto him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall, what? Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He is God, not a created being. He was there at the beginning. Uh, here in the beginning, the word was with God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, talking about the creation of man, uh, God says, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Isn't that interesting? The plurality. And let them rule over the flesh, a fish of the sea, and the birds of the sky, and the cattle of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. In Genesis 1.27, it says, And God created him in his own, and God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. This Lord Jesus Christ whom we worship and we celebrate His birth at this Christmas scene is the creator of the world. And you think of what is going on in this world today that is trying to diminish who God is. Let's keep on reading here back in John chapter 1 verse 2. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was in the light of men. And the light shines in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. Then he talks about John being sent from the Lord as the forerunner prophesied in Malachi's account. He came to be a witness of that light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent uh, to bear witness of that light. Verse 9. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. Who is he talking about here? He's talking about Israel coming to Israel. Who's, who's the he, though, coming? Jesus. Is it, 
it, does it take a rocket science to figure this out? Pretty clear, don't you think? You just read in scriptures what it says. But as many as received him, I love verse 12. It's a hallmark verse in the scriptures. But as many received him. How many have received him? To them gave he the power. The word power there is a different word for power than what is used in most places of power. This word power is the word for authority. We use this word in power when it comes to power of attorney. What he is saying here is to as many as received him. To them gave he the authority to become what? Sons of God. I have been adopted into God's family and I get all the blessings and the inheritance. And I have a heavenly father who watches over me. Even to them that believe on his what? Who is the his there? Jesus. Is there any other name given amongst men whereby we must be saved? There's no other name. There's no other name. And then he says, which were born, not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That's talking about us being born again. That's one of the themes of John's account of the Gospels. Verse 14. And the word was made flesh. Remember that same word that was mentioned in 1.1? The word was made flesh. And dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is God, he is creator, and he is Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. The choir started our uh, service in the song this morning, Emmanuel. Last week we read Emmanuel in Matthew one twenty three. Behold, the virgin shall be with child. And shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which is being interpreted. God with us. Fulfillment of Isaiah 7.14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. Do you think that God in his infinite wisdom. Knew that the lineage of David would become polluted through Solomon. And therefore would also have the lintage of Nathan to Mary. Wow. What a truth. I hope that you'll be overwhelmed by God's goodness. His plans for us by sending his son. How did he uh, see? Yeah, who is he? And then how did he come? Uh, we sang this morning. It came upon a midnight clear. As I was sitting in my study this morning. And I was listening to the rain out there. I was thinking... You know, it would have been awful tough for Jesus to have been born in Oregon. The angels probably would have come with umbrellas and rain jackets on. <laughs> I say that tongue-in-cheek because God could have parted the clouds, and someday he's coming back in the clouds, and maybe Oregon's not a bad place to be in because it probably will be the first raptured. It came upon a midnight clear. You know the shepherds out there as they were uh, uh, watching their sheep by night, and we read in that passage, uh, Brother Bruce did a marvelous job reading uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 8 through 15. Their shepherds, they were watching their sheep and they were astounded of what they saw. And here's the angel Gabriel, the archangel of heaven, and an angelic host. An angelic host. Revelation gives us indications that all the angels of heaven 
were praising God at his birth. <gasps> that would have been some situation, wouldn't it? Can you imagine them being, wow. And I think of God's love coming to these shepherds out there on duty at nighttime. And then the Smith ladies played so beautifully, oh, holy night. I understand, Bethany, that you arranged that third part for that song. Is that correct? Wasn't that beautiful? Wow. I tell you, I, I mean, it brought tears to my eyes because it was a holy night. You know, sometimes we just sing these songs and we just, we, we get into the spirit of Christmas, but oftentimes we leave the spirit of Christmas out. I'd like you to ponder that. Christmas has been so trivialized today. And then... Yesu Bambino. What a beautiful job that Glenda did on that song. Wasn't that beautiful? Yesu Bambino. Someone told me that it might be Italian or is it Spanish? I don't think it's Polish. It would have been Bambuski. <laughs> oh, I know, that was kind of sick, wasn't it? That's, that's my, my, my sick humor of my past. Oh, he came as a child, as a baby. You know, he could have come on the scene like Melchizedek did. As an adult just showing up. Or Elijah just kind of shows up and he tells the king, Hey, listen, it's not going to go well with Israel because you're all in idolatry. He could have showed up on the scene like that, couldn't he? But he doesn't. He comes to fulfill the prophecy of being virgin born. And going through the steps of humanity. Of being a baby. Of being a child. And being a teenager. And becoming an adult. And the Bible says that he experienced all the things that we would experience. Yet he knew no sin. And by the way, it was a dangerous time to come to Israel, to Bethlehem. Uh, who was the king of uh, Israel at that time, Herod. It's called Herod the, the Great. Do you know what his other name is? Herod the Terrible. Herod the Terrible. He had his own son executed. He, at his death, wanted a thousand Jews slain so they would mourn his death. And you remember what happened when he heard the news that the king born... The, the, he who was born king of the Jews from the, the wise men as they came, he went out there and he had all the children, all the boy children, uh, slaughtered between uh, two years of age and under. Brutal. God warned Mary and Joseph to flee and they left. God protected that child and that child grew up. And we don't see much of his, his youth mentioned in the scriptures. We see him one time mentioned at age 12, but... Uh, those 30 years are years of great silence of the scriptures because he came, he grew up, he came to die on a cross for us. So we come now to the third point. Why did he come? Why did he come? Well, our theme, he came for me. 
Boy, praise the Lord for that. And then, Bruce, I think it was you saying uh, redeeming love. Isn't that what you saying this morning? Redeeming love. And when I was preparing these messages, I went through these songs and looked at the words and looked at some of the song titles and, and thought about this idea of redemption. And I decided that, you know, I want to look up, where, where how, is that word used a lot in the scriptures? We, we used to use it for green stamps. Remember that? Anybody old enough remember green stamps? That kind of dates some of us, doesn't it? I remember my mom and dad, they got their first set of silverware with, with green stamps. And they redeemed the books, the purchase price of the silverware. And that's what redemption means. It means to purchase. It means to buy back. Uh, it's used of, uh, in the New Testament primarily of buying out of a slave market to ransom, to rescue. In the Old Testament, it was a lamb. In the New Testament, it was the precious lamb of God that redeemed our soul. And I started thinking, well, how many times is this word redeemed used in the Scriptures? It's used 119 times in the Scriptures. Now, Israel knew about redemption because to be bought out of the slave market, they were in the slavery of Egypt and then were brought out by, remember, the Passover lamb that uh, came that night and then they came out. And there's so much in the Old Testament that's a schoolmaster to show us the truth of Jesus Christ. Redemption. Uh, my wife and I got to watch a film last night called Samantha. Has anybody ever seen that film? Oh, a couple have. It's a wonderful film, isn't it, Betty? Uh, of, a, of a young girl that really had a kind heart, though in a rich family, and the story of another family that the mom had died and the dad and the three little girls who were basically indentured servants and had to, to be maids at 10 years of age and and uh, servants at six years of age. And back in the 1800s when factories were coming on, little children were abused in these factories, and they were just like cattle uh, to, to people. And well, anyways, the story goes, and it uh, talks about uh, how that these uh, kids grew to love each other, uh, Samantha and these three little girls and their family. And uh, But the dad died, and Samantha had moved away. And as they heard about the dad dying, they wondered what had happened to these little girls. And they were put into an orphanage. And back then, some orphanages had some very cruel taskmasters in them. And uh, these girls were in that very pitiful situation. And Samantha wanted to rescue them. And so she got them out. And eventually, the well-to-do family adopted all three of those girls. And it was... It was such a glorious ending, wasn't it, girls? Wasn't it? Just a glorious ending. And I started thinking about that and thinking about, you know what? I was in a horrible situation of life, and God brought me out, and he adopted me into his family. He deserves my love. He deserves my obedience. Amen to that? Redeeming love. Let me read you some of the passages of these 119 and I started thinking about this in Psalm 19, verse 12. He says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be accepted in thy sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Psalm 71, 23, let my lips, my lips will shout for joy. When I sing praises to thee, and my soul 
which thou hast redeemed. I'm telling you, he's put a new song in my heart. We are singing these songs, but that song is in our heart. Redeeming love. We've experienced it if you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. And our lips should be praising Him. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. You know how He became a curse for us? The Bible says, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He took upon Him our sins so we could be saved. Galatians 5, excuse me, 4, 5 says, In order that He might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I have been adopted into a glorious family, a heavenly family, that, by the way, has no end. Isn't that wonderful? Well, I tell you. Titus 2.14 says, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous of good deeds. And then 1 Peter 1.18 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with green stamps. Oh, it doesn't quite say that. With perishable things like silver or gold from your futile ways of life inherited from your fathers. But you were redeemed with the precious blood as of a lamb without spot or blemish, the blood of Christ. Thank you, Lord. So what is going to be your response? Well, I hope that you've accepted him. If you've not accepted him, why not accept him? The choir sang, fall on your knees. And there's a couple aspects of that song, fall on your knees. Is when I came and you come to understand that you are a sinner and, a, and deserving of hell because one sin in the sight of a holy God would send a man to hell. But the Bible says there's none good, no, not one. When I understand that I am a hell-bound sinner because of my, uh, uh, of my sin and, and, and I see the love of God extending His arms out to me and uh, willing to die on the cross for my sins, that I'd fall on my knees and say, Oh God, come into my heart and save me. Have you done that? Oh, it's not necessarily the position of being on your knees, but in your heart, you surrender to Him and say, God, come into my heart and be my Savior. Have you done that? If you have, He becomes your Savior. And then you know what? I want to stay on my knees all through my life, in my heart, in my mind. Because He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. In uh, Philippians chapter 2, in verse 8, or excuse me, verse 9 through 11, it says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and, uh, uh, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I bowed my knee when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And every day, I need to bow my knee and say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? You are my King. You are worthy of my worship. You are worthy of my praise. 
And oh, I tell you, that's what worship is. Worship is falling down on your face before your king, before the Lord, and saying, I am yours. We are to be living sacrifices. You own everything about me. How ungodly it is for us to shake our fingers at God. There's a world, if they do not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they've been making fun, or they have left God out of their lives, that someday will stand before Him, and the Bible says their knee will bow then. I'd much rather bow my knee now and accept Him as my Savior. Amen to you? And then He's worthy of our worship. I've been, uh, uh, we sang joy to the world and angels from the realms of glory. You know, I, I've, uh, as, I, as I read about these angels and all, uh, and uh, they're at the, the scene of the birth, uh, in, in, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And when He again brings the firstborn into the world, Hebrews 1, 6, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. That's something. That's why I kind of, maybe my sanctified imaginations was when Gabriel was up there and they said, glory to God in the highest. I think all of heaven stopped and gave praise. And maybe even those shepherds got to see the heavenly host, as it says. Isn't that what it says? The heavenly host? Hebrews 1, 8, uh, 1, 6 says, And let all the angels of God worship Him. I've been in Revelation this week, reading it as a part of my devotions. And boy, it's an exciting book. Uh, you know, the Lord's coming is soon, but the end of the world is going to be an awful time. I would not want to go through that. And by the way, I don't believe I'm going to be going through the tribulation period. I believe the Lord's going to come back. He's going to take us home. But you read in Revelation and you begin to read about the worship and the holiness of God. And you, Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I don't know how people get this wrong. But you begin to look at the worship of the Lord and there in Hebrews chapter 1 and throughout uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament and there in the book of Revelation. And the Bible says in the Ten, Ten Commandments, you're not supposed to worship anybody but God. How did they get it wrong? The angels knew to worship Him. And I was reading there in uh, this morning or the last week, Revelation 4 verse 8, talking about the four living creatures uh, each one of them having six wings uh, are full of eyes round and within. And, and day and night, they do not cease to say, you know what they said? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Who are they talking about there? Jesus Christ. I don't know, Mike. I know you've dealt with a lot of cults and things like that. I can't imagine how they get around this, especially when you read in context. It doesn't make any sense to me. Why won't people come to accept who Jesus is? Well, the devil has his angels and false prophets, and he wants to deceive this world. Do you know him? The angels and the four and twenty elders were up there 
worshiping him, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Revelation 4, 9, it says, And the living creatures gives glory and honor, thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever. In verse 10, the 20 elders fell down before him who sit on the throne and will worship him uh, who lives forever and ever, will cast their crowns before the throne saying, verse 11, Worthy art thou, O Lord, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou didst create all things, and because of thy will they exist and were created. Let me ask you this question. Do you worship him? Every day. We don't have to be at Christmas time. We don't have to wait for the angels in heaven to start the chorus. We don't have to be in church. Every day, He is worthy of our worship. May we worship Him. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed. He came for me. Last week, trust Him. This morning, yes, trust Him. And then worship Him. Worship Him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto Thee, O Lord. Have you accepted Him as your Savior? Have you received Him? Have you bowed the knee and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need You to be my Savior. Come into my heart and save me. The holy presence of God comes into your soul. He lives and He dwells within you. Praise God for that. The light, the Bible says there in John 1, He came to light men's soul. He's the light of the world. Do you have that light in your soul? Do you have Jesus Christ? Has there come that time where you've received Him? You said, Pastor, yes. There's a time in my life where I've received the Lord. I know that. I, 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 and, and I know that He's there now. If I were to die today, I know I'd go to heaven because that light is in my soul and He's there. If you can say that, would you slip your hand up for just a second and then as testament of that and put it back down? You know, it's good for us to examine ourselves because someday we're going to die. Most everyone in here is Christmas time. We are here to worship the Lord. Most times, uh, though, there are times when people come to worship and they don't know who they worship. They don't recognize Him for who He is. I hope that this morning that you've gotten a greater understanding of this holy God of heaven. And He demands us to be holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy, God says. And He deserves our worship and our praise. It needs not to be fickle or empty. It needs to be in truth and in the spirit of holiness. And I can't help but believe that the music that has been presented this morning has lifted up the holy name of our Savior. And the words that have been presented from the Scriptures this morning gives us a great greater understanding of who God is. And I tell you what, we should be going out there and singing joy to the world, not just at Christmas time, but all the time. The Savior's come. He came for me. But if you do not know Him this morning, why not invite Him into your heart to be your Savior?
Or maybe you've not been worshiping Him as you ought to be worshiping Him. And why not today just say, Lord, I, I, I want to worship You. I want to grow. I, I had a wonderful talk with someone this week, and they said, I just want to know more about this Lord. Boy, that's exciting. I want to discover Him. Because He's discovered me. I don't know about you, but I, I find that the meditation of my heart and the words of my lips are not always acceptable before my Lord. And I'd like to change that. How about you this morning? Why don't we make some decisions this morning? If you're not certain of your eternal destiny, why not today invite Christ into your heart to be your Savior? And if you've not been worshiping Him in the spirit of holiness, and out throughout the day giving praise to Him, why don't you just say, Lord, I need to change the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. It seems like the meditation of my heart as I think about problems, I think about my busyness at Christmas time, I think about all the, the fickleness of what's going on and I get discouraged. And No, we need to worship Him. In the beauty of holiness. So why don't you just make some decisions today? We're going to sing, Oh, worship the King. That's what we've come to do today, and that's what I want to do each and every day of my Why don't you right now just say, Lord, why can't I worship you? Why do I should be worshiping you every day. Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Let's say yes to the Lord. I want to worship you every day. Lord, you know the decisions of people's hearts today. You know my decision, how you spoke to me through the scriptures, and, and Lord, how you've put these marvelous uh, uh, scriptures together for us to discover who you are. And Lord, I don't understand why some people get it wrong. But, and, and then, Lord, I, I understand why some people maybe go out there and, and fall prey to these cults and these false religions. But, oh God, I pray that you'll protect this congregation and help us to discover who you are in the riches of your word, in the absolute truths of your scriptures. And we're going to praise you. We have so much to rejoice in. So, Lord, these decisions now for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing, Oh, Worship the King. Is he the king of your life? Is he the master? Can't have two people sitting on the throne at the same time. Put him on the throne of your life. Let him be the one that's ruling and guiding your lives. Let's stand together, Oh, Worship the King, all glorious above. Oh, gratefully sing His power and His love, the power to create. Oh, worship the King, oh, glorious above, oh, gratefully sing His power and His love, our shield and defender, the ancient the rain.
But we got a lot to praise God for in Oregon. Amen? So every time it rains out there, you think of this song, in the dew and in the rain. I'm going to tell you something, folks. This world needs to see genuine Christianity. They need to see the fire in our souls, the passion that we have for our Lord, because He came for me. Amen? Well, we've got two folks joining the church this morning. We want to welcome them as our newest members. Eric uh, Pacillus. Eric, why don't you raise your hand? Amen. Great to have you come. A new person to our church, college age. We're looking forward to get to meet you more and everything. And also Jerry Horn in the back. Amen. So both of them. And Jerry is going to be baptized tonight in his membership will be concluded upon that, but we need to take a vote to accept these folks as new members of Westside Baptist Church. Say amen. amen. And that's all we have to do. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Eric and, and Jerry. We trust if God's doing other things in anybody's life this morning, that before you leave, you'll make sure you've done business with God. Amen. We make our decisions here. We get on our knees. Maybe some need to go home and just get by their bedside and say, Lord, thank you. I don't praise you enough for what you have done for me. Amen and amen. Well, see you tonight. A wonderful time. Don't miss it. You are dismissed. Mm -hmm.